0: Welcome to the Professional Drinkers Podcast, brought to you by choosesunrise.co.uk. I'm Janet Hadley, and this is for you if you're an HR professional, a business owner, or a leader who'd like to explore the drinking culture in your workplace. I'll bring you lived experience stories, expert views, and tips for creating an alcohol-safe workplace without killing the buzz. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Professional Drinkers podcast with me, Janet Hadley. And today we have a super guest, Dave Ramsey, who I'll be introducing in just a couple of minutes. But first, I just wanted to take a little moment as we head into Christmas party season to ask uh, all the HR managers who are listening. How are you feeling? (laughs) You nervous? Um, How many grievances might you be dealing with this year? Have you got everything in place that you need to have in place ahead of the annual, um, well, aftermath, I guess it can be in some cases for some people out there. um, We've heard a few hairy tales on here of things that people have had to sweep up afterwards. So to make sure that that's not you this year, I have a few tips for you. Starting off really with the fact that a lot of people who are working within your organization do not actually want a big boozy Christmas do. Obviously, some people do. But around 25 percent of people probably don't. And they will be your younger workers um, as well as people who don't drink for faith reasons. But there's also a huge cross section of people who come from all different walks of life and backgrounds, people you might not expect who are deciding to either stop drinking or to moderate their drinking. And of course, it's okay to have alcohol for people who want it but it's so so important this year more than ever before that you have respectful alcohol-free options at the event as well and that does not mean orange juice coke and lemonade there's no excuse with the abundance of choice in brands in the alcohol-free sector not to have something really special that makes those people feel catered for and welcome and included and think about the glassware as well. Speak to the caterers if it's an outside company who are doing it. There are so many times when I've been given an alcohol-free drink in a tumbler, whereas everyone else has a really fancy, beautifully shaped glass with trimmings and fruit and ice and sparklers or whatever. It's people who don't drink alcohol. They're not kids. <laughs> they don't need to be patronized. and they just want to, you know, have something that's special, um, like everybody else is having. So, you know, have a think about how you make sure that those people are properly catered for and it's not too late depending on when you do is but it's probably not too late for you to get in touch with someone like Andy Mee from the alcohol-free drinks company and get yourself a pop-up alcohol-free bar for your works do. He is doing a few up and down the country this year and some very progressive employers are hiring people like Andy to set up at their events and offer something truly magical for the alcohol free population. That's certainly an employer who I would want to work for. I'd also really urge you to check, is your alcohol policy up to date? When's the last time you had a look at it? Is it in line with custom and practice? Does it say things like alcohol is completely banned, but you actually have a beer fridge in the office? Uh, I have literally seen that recently. Um, Think about role modeling from the top of the organization are the senior leaders on board with the alcohol policy? Does everybody understand what is expected from them? And also think about how microaggressions might be handled. So if there is that kind of go on, just have one behaviour and oh, don't be so boring, how is that going to be called out and managed in the moment? Is it something that you might consider Getting groups of leaders together just to give them a quick briefing, or potentially doing something a little bit different, perhaps getting some line manager training in about the impact of microaggressions. It's a really important part of normalising the choice not to drink, and it will pay dividends in terms of how that 20 to 25% of the population in your workplace feel about working there. It will make a huge difference to them. There's also the drink driving issue to think about. As an employer, there is a certain amount of responsibility on you to make sure that people have a way of getting home from these dues. There have been a number of incidents over the past few years that I've come across where people have been given free alcohol in the office straight after work and people I mean I know someone who's wrapped the car around a post in their works car park and you have to ask yourself to what extent is that employer actually potentially liable of course there's personal responsibility and at the end of the day when it comes to drink driving that sits with the driver there are however plenty of things that employers can do to make sure that they are putting some steps in place to minimize the risk of anyone doing that and then finally I believe that decentralizing alcohol from some of these events will have a huge impact on the range of people who attend, the diversity of those people, and how included some people in your organization start to feel. And therefore, this will have a huge positive effect on your engagement scores. And even people who choose to drink are, you know, not everybody wants a big boozy party. Lots of people will have things to do the next day. It's a busy time of year. And when you start to introduce different activities into your events rather than just drinking, they become more memorable and fun. And actually, this could be the year where you have a Christmas party that everybody remembers. So if you're stuck for ideas, you can head to the Choose Sunrise website, which is choosesunrise.co.uk. And just in the top right hand corner, there's a button there, 50 ideas for a sober inclusive event. Download our guide and you will never be short of an idea for a workplace event ever again for the next 50 Christmases. So um, cheers to that. Um, so, yeah, make sure you download the guide. And if you do want any help at all, you know where I am. Hello at choose Always happy to have a chat. Um, So we're going to move on to introducing my guest for the day, Dave Ramsey. Dave is a really inspirational person who I've been in touch with via social media for quite a long time and only fairly recently have had sort of face-to-face conversations with. And he is such a, a... an advocate and an ambassador for men's mental health and he is doing heaps and heaps of work in the workplace to raise the profile of the types of issues that men face and part of Dave's own story is about stopping drinking in order to preserve and protect and repair his own mental health and he talks very openly about that. Employers are facing a rising tide of mental health issues in the workplace with record levels of long-term absence and the number one and number two reasons for that long-term absence being um, depression and anxiety both of which have pretty much a 50 to 55 percent overlap with dangerous drinking levels so these issues are intrinsically linked and yet employers often have a bit of a blind spot for this they will have lots of provision for mental health and nothing at all around alcohol use and and not always making that connection. And I love the work that Dave's doing because he absolutely is making that connection and he's making a big difference with the employers that he works with. So enjoy the interview with Dave. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, Dave, so much for being my guest this week, Dave Ramsey, who I came across um, because Dave is a real advocate of um, all things mental health, uh, particularly in the workplace, and has done a lot of um, proactive work, actually, raising the profile of some of the issues that employers face around this thorny topic. So, hello, Dave, and welcome. Afternoon.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Ah, you're so so welcome. Shall we just start off by um giving you the opportunity to just tell everyone a little bit about yourself and the work that you do?
1: Yeah, of course, yeah. Um so uh Dave
0: Ramsey, forty-one
1: year old dad of four, who you can probably just see behind me in the in the background there. Um so yeah, I'm a dad to, to two boys, a girl and a lockdown surprise. Um <laughs> so we had a we had a little boy in, in lockdown. Um Brilliant. and you know, for, for me, obviously, my world revolves around the kids, um, especially as they get older. You know, there should be a limit on the number of clubs that they can join, surely. Oh, um, about it. But <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's a nightmare, isn't it? But um, but over the last two years or so, um, I'd say my real passion has, has been around um, kind of advocating all things mental health, especially around men's mental health. Yeah. And I have been. Um, sober for four hundred and twenty-three days now. Woo, so yes. <laughs> for me, I know, yeah, absolutely amazing. So yeah, I'm really, really pleased.
0: Yeah, that is fantastic, isn't it?
1: How much better yeah. do you feel for it? <laughs> loads. Absolutely yeah. loads better. Um and it's it's things that people may not even think about. You know, um I can concentrate better. Um if I go out I don't have a three day recovery period. You know, yeah. my wife always used to say to me if I was going out, she'd be like all right, you're going out for a night, but we'll see you in, like, three days because, yeah. you know, you're just, you're just out of the land of living. Um, but, yeah, energy-wise, um, I've probably been the fittest I've ever been in my life as well. So, yeah, I mean, the benefits yeah. have, have been absolutely huge. So, yeah, yeah,
0: 423 days. And this is perhaps a little bit of a loaded question, but did you expect things to get better or did you think, oh, it's just something I need to do? Yeah, it's interesting,
1: really, um, because like it started for me. Well, I, I've, I'd known for a while, really, that my relationship with alcohol wasn't a great one. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I remember we were at a friend's wedding in August last year and um, we um, it was a particularly boozy affair as a lot of weddings tend to be um you know and and i i always tried to be like the the ringleader if you like the person that was in the center of attention and um i used it a lot you know which i've realized now looking back but i didn't realize at the time that i used it a lot in terms of self-medication in terms of not facing into some of my own challenges um, and certainly helping me mask how i was feeling from a mental health point of view um and i remember we were were at this wedding last year and um i'd been drinking all day i think i had a gin and tonic at about nine o'clock in the morning um that started the day off and i remember in the evening um uh my wife left the wedding she she left it for about an hour um and for starters i i didn't realize um and then secondly when she came back um she said, you know, I, I know why you do it now. And I said, uh, what do you mean? She said, I, I know why you do the things you do. She said, you do it for everybody else. You know, you do it because you think that people expect you to be a certain way. Um, she said, no, I just, I just can't stand and watch it anymore. Um, and wow. although I was incredibly under the influence, I remember yeah. that conversation as clear as anything. Um and i'm not going to say it haunted me but it it stayed with me after after the yeah. wedding um and a couple of weeks later i decided to um just have a look at myself really um mm. and i read a book called the alcohol experiment which is designed oh, yeah. to um you know it's 30 days it's not designed to stop you drinking you know my intention wasn't to stop drinking my intention was just to understand you know what why do I do the things I do? Um, yeah. And actually, within three days, I remember walking into the kitchen. And I said to my wife, I know I'm, I know I'm only three days in, but I don't think I'll drink again. And she went, OK, then, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I've been a bit more realistic now because saying I'll never drink again is a very big mountain that I feel you can yeah. only fail to climb. Um, But so far, since I read, you know, since I opened that book, 423 days in, I've got no inkling whatsoever um, to have a drink. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. Big, big self-discovery.
0: Yeah, It, it is so interesting that you say that, because when I work with clients, it's never really about the alcohol. So we have like maybe one session where we might talk about alcohol, but then we're talking really about life and what is it who who are you and how I think there's like for me this huge wraparound between identity and alcohol where we see ourselves as a drinker we see ourselves as like you say the party person the center of the ringleader and the you know like for me I was the boss who was always taking their team out and getting them drunk and all the rest of it and When you take that away, you just don't know who you are anymore. Like, if you've been drinking since you were 14 and you're 44, you just like, I just felt so lost. I did not know who I was. It took a little while to find my sober shoes. But then it's so interesting, isn't it, how, I don't know about you, but for me, I feel as though I'm back to the person that I was before I started drinking, even though I was only 14. It's almost like I had, like, a bit of growing up left to do that I hadn't done. That was, yes. Yeah, I left it. I stopped growing up, started drinking instead, and then yeah. had to pick up where I left off before I could kind of carry on adulting. <laughs> yeah, it
1: is bizarre, isn't it? When you certainly, yeah. when you look back, you know. And I think about some of the things that you know I used, to, that I used to do, and and you know, and and actually how far you know society has come as well. And you look at you know young people today, and you know I think back and. You know, when we used to, when we used to as, as mates camp in each other's back gardens and, you know, our yeah. parents would always give us a little case of those little French bottle beers. Oh, and,
0: yeah, yeah. Do you remember those? <laughs> yeah, um, I do, yeah. You know,
1: we used to, we used to have those, um, you know, and, and I remember I used to play a lot of hockey when I was younger. Um, mm. And, you know, on a Saturday afternoon at half time we'd have a bottle of port that went round. Um, oh. So, really? Yeah, yeah, so Slipping yeah, yeah, absolutely of. bizarre. Um yeah. but you do look and you think, you know, wow. Yeah. There's there's so much of my life that has got alcohol involved in it. Yeah. Um yeah. you know, we we grew up in the licensed trade. Um you know, we do have um alcoholism that that runs in our family. Um okay. you know, and actually not last year the year before, um we lost my cousin who was just a couple of years older than me, Um, you know, and, and I think there's a few things like that, that then start to make you reflect on yourself and your own journey. And whilst yeah. I'd never considered myself to be someone that was, you know, alcohol dependent, yeah. I would get to the end of a day and go, Phew, I need a drink after that. And, you know, I yeah. did get to the stage where my drink at the end of a day would be, free pouring a gin into a glass and guesstimating where i thought a single was but it was probably more like a treble um yeah, and yeah. the the amount of tonic you know reduced drastically so yes. it's you know you do start to have to take stock a little bit
0: yeah i know and it's um it it it's so easy to find yourself in that place isn't it i mean you and several million others and including myself yeah. in that gray area somewhere in between normal drinking and um addiction basically a dependency yeah. Yeah, yeah. um and no one goes from being like a normal casual drinker to be independent overnight we have to go through that gray area and that's that's the magic place where i think in the workplace we can find people who Absolutely. are struggling with addiction like well struggling with basically gray area drinking they're at risk of becoming addicted and there's so much harm to be prevented by just reaching out to that group of people and i'm a firm believer and i know you are as well dave that the workplace is a really good place to find those people and to help them um i'm quite interested actually in your kind of working career were there ever any indications? Like, was there ever anything in any of your workplace wellbeing programs or anything like that that helped you, um, or, or, or was it just something that was never mentioned? No, it, it was never mentioned. Um, you know, and I think right
1: back to when I first started working. You know, as a as a um, kind of fifteen sixteen year old lad in in one of the one of the big four supermarkets. Um, yeah you know, the, the, the the culture was very much, you know, after work we go for a drink. Um, Yeah. uh, And I remember like when I went to uni and I was still working um, for a supermarket at lunchtime, we'd go across the road, have lunch and a few beers. And we used to take it in turns. I probably shouldn't say that. Well, mind you, I I stopped working for them (laughs) a long time ago, but we used to take turns to like clock each other back in, you know, and we'd we'd have a a couple of pints and stuff. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And you know, you think, wow, um, looking back. And you know, then as I grew up, so to speak, and I became a line manager at different times in different roles. You know, you you just couldn't believe that anyone would do it. And then you kind of sit and you think, actually, on reflection, you know, what are the things that that I used to do? Um, yeah. But no, I think it's fair to say that that there's a a big, you know, kind of workplace culture that the idea of team building or getting together or engaging with people should be done in a bar or a pub or a hotel or, you know, having an open bar, you know, whatever it be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sadly, you know, I think I can probably remember more horror stories from people being, you know, able to be in that position um, than the kind of good stuff coming out of it. Uh, you know, for, yeah. I, I never had anything yeah. and I've never really seen anything. And obviously we're, we're talking, you know, quite a lot at the moment, but I've never really seen anything that really focuses that lens on the workplace and the relationship with alcohol. Um, and mm. it's, it's, it's quite a scary thing, you know, it's quite worrying.
0: Yeah, it is. It, it, it's a bit of a blind spot, I think, for a lot of people who work in HR and wellbeing. Um, and actually for me, I was exactly the same as a drinker. You know, I would think of my own well-being. I would do the healthy eating. I would go running. I would do yoga. I would do meditation. I'd do all the things, but then I'd still go home and drink half a bottle of wine every night. And it never, honestly, it sounds so stupid, but it never occurred to me that the wine would be like undoing all of that stuff and that it was effectively pointless,
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it wasn't until I yeah. took the
0: alcohol out of the equation that any of those things actually made any difference to my well-being. Um, yes. And we teach people to do all these things, don't we, at work? And there's a lot of great intentions out there. And, you know, let's face it, I think employers, when we when we reflect back, when I bet when you first started working and when I first started working, you wouldn't have really been able to talk about mental health without it being quite stigmatized and so the, the we've already demonstrated that the workplace is a brilliant brilliant way to destigmatize these taboo topics but for some reason alcohol is still out there as being a little bit too difficult i think sometimes for employers yes. why why do you think that is
1: do you know it's it is a scary thought when you put it like that because you know if i look back when I talk about mental health, and my experiences with mental health, um, you know, the reality is until I started talking openly two years ago, um, you know, I kind of hid my mental health challenges for over 20 years. Yeah. And it makes yeah. you think, you know, if over 20 years ago, when I was showing certain patterns, if someone yeah. had maybe stopped and asked me the question, you know, would different things have happened? Um alcohol feels like it's one of those areas that people are really scared to approach. Um, yeah. And it feels that people are, and I I don't think it's a case of, you know, people, people not wanting to ask the question. I think we live in such a culture where alcohol plays such a pivotal role that sometimes yeah. people don't want to ask the question because they don't want to look in the mirror at the same time.
0: Yeah,
1: you know yeah. I had numerous yeah. team members um, in in my old business, um, you know when I was a manager, and um, you know people that were either alcoholic or people yeah. that were um, certainly struggling with alcohol or people that would come to work, you know incredibly hungover, yeah. and the policies were all very, very clear you know, in terms of how those people should be dealt with from a disciplinary point of view, what it wasn't ever very clear about was how do we help those people? How do we help people face into certain things? How do we get people the support they need? You know, it would be maybe a cursory comment from HR that in the closing statements of the disciplinary before we we sent them on their way, that we would recommend they talk to a doctor or something like that. But actually, why why couldn't we just... (laughs) it is yeah really sad yeah. really sad you know and you know then the link of you know people losing their job that then are potentially going to face into financial hardship the the stress and pressure that can put on from a mental health point of view and all of a sudden if you throw alcohol into that mix that's a really really dangerous um combination I know. I
0: know. really dangerous I know. It, it is so sad isn't it and yet the, um, you know if it was any other kind of condition mental health condition there would be paid time off there would be yeah. counseling therapy support and the, it's a real stigma there's this high there is this belief and it's do you know what it's perpetuated by the alcohol companies actually um there's this belief in society that it's the user's fault so yes. alcohol is it's legal to own it, it's legal to sell it, it's legal to buy it, it's legal to consume it. It's If you can't control that, that's your own fault. Everyone else yeah. can. That's yeah. kind of what we're told. That's what the whole drink responsibly thing tells us. And actually, it, you can flip that on its head. So it's the only carcinogenic addictive substance that we have in beautiful bottles with uplighting in bars with beautiful labels and marketing and advertising. Like if you put cocaine in packaging that looked like alcohol, people would be up in arms. Absolutely. (laughs) And I don't think, I think if there was a free cocaine bar at every workplace do and everyone else took cocaine and you took cocaine, you know, and got addicted to it, people would probably say, they shouldn't be giving out cocaine. Yeah. But when it's alcohol, it's completely different, it isn't is, it? Yeah. Interesting how it is. You know, you just change one ingredient in the story, yeah. and it's a completely different perception.
1: Uh, mm. Absolutely, and I look at um, I look at things like cider. Cider is a prime example, isn't it? Cider's, mm-hmm. you know, the last few years has become this fashionable drink. Um, you know, and, and I'm celiac, so <laughs> I, know. I actually, I actually, okay. you know, did I did you know drink cider. Um, but you're right. You know the the funky flavors that are put into to yeah. it. You know the. Um, it took me back when you were saying about you know the the, the bottles and stuff like that. You know, to when I was younger and things like Bacardi Breezers and that came out. And yes. it, it was yeah. you know it was entirely about enticing young people yeah. into into drinking that kind of alco pop generation. Yeah. Um, hooch. you know, and if anything, <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, you know I it's. Oh. I do, yeah, yeah I do, uh, yeah. The lemon hooch and the green bottles, yeah. But yes. you know, it's it, it. The sad thing is, though, that we don't seem to as a as a. And I think you're right in terms of a lot of, you know, the 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 big companies out there. We don't put enough emphasis behind. A. What are the dangers with it? But B. What's the alternative? Because ultimately, you know, this isn't all about. People never drinking. It's about actually, you know, people making sensible choices and understanding, you know, what sits behind that. But people being able to have a choice in the first place. Um, and I use football as, as a really good example. Um, I, I love football. Yeah. We'll go to football at every opportunity. But football is such a big culture, you know, with drinking. Um, and if you go to yeah. a football ground, you know, can I get an alcoholic, um, a non alcoholic, you know, drink? No. Um, unless I want a cup of Bovril, um, you know, but Ooh. I'd like to think that I'm, <laughs> I'm not, you know, quite a Bovril time in my life, um, <laughs> you know, or, or, the, or the, the the stage old, um, the age old, sorry, um, soft drinks. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, I and I, know. I just I'm think sure. that's but, such yeah.
1: a shame and so sad that we just yeah. discount people.
0: Yeah, I know. that is, I, I'm quite surprised you can't get a zero percent beer at a football match yeah interesting because there may be I, some I mean, grounds to do thing it you can yeah mm. yeah they may yeah yeah um that's the one thing you can normally get in the pub is a, an alcohol-free beer I yes um, yes which is a big improvement on the days of only having bex blue um, yes yeah but still there's a long way to go to have proper choice there a is
1: absolutely oh yeah absolutely but you're right in terms of, you know, the the amount of money that gets put behind, you know, marketing campaigns um, and everything else. And you see yeah. things like, you know, football is a great example, actually, where there's a lot of emphasis behind football at the moment in terms of teams promoting and, and advertising sponsorship with betting agencies. And you remember years yeah. go by, mm-hmm. um, you know, it used to be alcohol that was heavily kind of, you know, um, Uh, promoted through, through football, you know, Liverpool for years were sponsored by, um, by Carlsberg. I think it was, you know, um, England were, had that sort of link as well. And, you know, there does seem to be that, that culture around it, but that points people in the direction of you should drink, you should drink, you should drink instead of people having that choice and having that, yeah, probably the, the, the pitfalls that come with it as well. Um, Mm. You know, that's, that's maybe one thing that i could have benefited from at a younger age
0: yeah yeah that's an interesting point actually like is there anything else that you think i wish that i wish that i'd known that sooner or i wish i'd come across such and such a thing sooner like what's helped you um i think i think there's a few things really um
1: so for me because i had convinced myself for so long that people expected me to be a certain way, that I had to do certain things, um, that I did need to be the centre of attention, Um, that actually I had really good people around me and my worry of if I don't drink, what will they think of me was absolutely unfounded. Um, You know, they've been absolutely brilliant. Um, You know, my close friends have been absolutely brilliant. Um, You know, couldn't be... I couldn't have asked for any more. And I suppose if I could give myself any advice, you know, from, from years gone by, it would be, you, you don't have to do the things that you think people are expecting. You know, you are allowed to do the things that make you happy. Um, you know, and, and I think if, if maybe, you know, I'd have, I'd have kind of thought like that when I was a lot younger, Maybe, you know, maybe I'd have still got to this point where I I don't drink um, or maybe I'd have just been able to manage and have a better relationship with alcohol. But as it was for me, years of, of thinking I had to be a certain way and alcohol being the prop that I needed to to get me to that place, um, you know, actually actually wasn't necessary.
0: Yeah. In- interesting. Yeah. What about... Um... A bit of inspiration, like have you found certain people to be really inspirational on your journey to being sober? Uh, like, did you have any sober role models before? Um, it's it's funny, you know, because um, like I, I have grown up like
1: in a in a drinking culture, really. You know, we we grew up in the yeah. license trade and everything like that. But um, I remember a few years ago, my um, my brother, who's a little bit older than me, you know, he I can't remember how long he went um he either two or three years i think um and you know people said similar to him that they've said to me oh you know we'll we'll see how long this lasts and whether it's the fact that we've got you know huge amounts of stubbornness in us but you know he went kind of two three years um you know and then you know he he did go back to to drinking you know and and he can kind of you know pick up and stop and you know everything else went whenever he wants really but I think one thing that, that I have had um, is whilst he's someone that I kind of definitely look to and go, well, if you were able to do it, then, um, you know, then I could do it. Um, I think there's also the the bit for me is social media can be a good thing, but also a really bad thing. But the good yeah. thing with social media is there's some really good people out there doing some good things. And one of my oldest friends from university um has got a really great Instagram account. And um, I mean, his motivation is, is sickly, you know, but actually <laughs> it just helps you see that anybody can do anything if you put your mind to it. Um, and I've found yeah. that surrounding yourself with good people, you know, when you go through challenges of suffering with oh. mental health, as I did, or making the decision to stop drinking, as as I did last year, you find out who your friends are you know, and the people that are really close to you and the people that support you because you're you. Um, And so surrounding myself with those people, doing things that are right for me and for my family, they're the things that actually people praise and, and comment on. You know, people may, you know, laugh a little bit at your little WhatsApp videos and stuff the morning after the night before, but actually they then go home and they go, oh my word, you should have seen Dave last night, you know? So maybe in the moment they think it's really funny. Yeah. But in the in the cold light of day, it's, it's not really, you know? And yeah. I'm a 41-year-old man with four children. You know, there's things that you just mm. don't need to be doing uh, anymore. Um, yeah. So having good people there to support your decision, but also then encourage you to keep going because they can see the benefits that it's giving you is so, so crucial.
0: Mm, I agree. I would totally agree with that. Yeah. I think, um, I I mean, to be honest, my husband didn't really want me to stop drinking because you know, it shines a light and we're drinking partners and all the rest of it. And it wasn't really until he started to see how much better I was doing without it that he sort of got on side um it was quite an interesting one I think uh, sometimes couples do go through a little bit of a rocky period when one of them starts to question their relationship with alcohol um and I wouldn't say it was a rocky period actually but like there was a bit of push and pull in different directions (laughs) yes and it took quite a lot for me to stand firm and say no I am doing this um but yeah we're we're totally through that yeah absolutely and out the other side that's so
1: important to keep that that belief though isn't it of you know I am doing this I am doing this and um it's funny because I you know I talk quite openly now but if I look back you know actually when I was drinking you know I was drinking to hide away from you know all the stuff that I was carrying around I was drinking to hide away from the reality of facing into that But actually, that drinking was suppressing me from facing into it. It was suppressing me from being able to talk about it. Um, And I'm not saying that anyone I randomly meet in the street, I start talking to about my life story. But, you know, I can I can share, you know, the stuff that I've been through. And I suppose I was worried about being judged previously. But But now, you know, the way I look at it is. I don't want people to go through the same things that I went through. So if one bit of my story can be relatable to someone and it either stops them from doing something, it asks, you know, it may ask them to just ask themselves a question, seek some help, even seek some education, you know, then for me that that's worth it. Um, So, you know, I still get worried about being open and honest, but I, I can be proud of the fact that I'm doing it for the right reasons
0: yeah absolutely well that's that's very heartening to hear actually Dave (laughs) Um, so when it comes to alcohol and your mental health then um, to what extent do you think that the issues that you've had in the past with your mental health and alcohol have been kind of wrapped up together and I guess have have things kind of resolved since you stopped drinking like how much would you say they're tied together Four. Um,
1: I would say, you know, really closely. Um, yeah. The the. You know, I I I kind of yeah over twenty years. You know, masked what I was really kind of going through. Um, you know, yeah. and I went through periods of time where, um, you know, I would I would self harm. Um, you know, I went through a couple of phases in my life where, you know, I I I felt like I just didn't want to be here um and alcohol always played a big part in that um you know it would I would be under the influence at the point that you know I wanted to to do any of those things um I if I felt sad or I felt like I was losing control my answer was to have a drink was to go out was to sit at home and have a load of drink you know it wasn't even a I need to be in a social scenario um so it has absolutely you know been hand in hand um and i think you know yeah. when i look back you know 20 years ago as someone in their early 20s it wasn't something that you could openly sit and talk about i certainly didn't feel i could i didn't feel that i could you know face into having mental health challenges you kind of get brought up in this environment of you cut from the st- the strong cloth you know you need to yeah you know you you know, you don't, you don't cry, you don't show emotion, you know, you've got to be the the person that shows strength. Um, and I just couldn't do that. So my answer was, well, I'll drink then instead. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's what I did. And I I just kept doing it. Um, and there'd been times, you know, leading up to when I eventually did face into my mental health that, you know, my wife would say to me, you need to, you need to talk to somebody, you know, and I'd be like, I'm all, you know, I'm all right. I can, I can handle it. Mm But my answer was, I'll handle it by keeping it all in here and washing it down with yeah. a drink, um, you know, and th- that that ends up, for me it did anyway, you know, that ends up with just getting to the point where you can't function. You know, I just could not do anything, you know, and I would break down in tears. And um, even when I first started facing into my mental health, you know, I would I was still drinking at that point. Um, yeah. and you know i was I was encouraged to do things like journaling and stuff like that, which I am a massive fan of, and I still do now um but I would look back you know every now and again at some of the journal entries, and you can tell the ones where I'd had a drink and I'd not had a drink um right. you know, and just mm-hmm. the things that I wrote, the way that I would write um mm-hmm. you know the level of negativity, whereas then when I got to the point where I made the decision to kind of look at my relationship with alcohol you look at my journal entries and all of a sudden they end with a few more points of gratitude. What am I grateful for? What's yeah. going well? What am I pleased about? Um, you know, what makes yeah. me thankful? Uh, and that just wasn't there before. So whilst it's not the, the sole kind of, you know, factor within my mental health challenges, you know, I still struggle massively with depression today. Um, you know, I, still have to be really conscious of of how i'm feeling and and kind of managing that on a day-to-day basis but actually not having alcohol there is it makes it easier to identify makes it easier for me to recognize when i'm good not so good um when i'm just okay and you know that's all right as well you know it's okay to just be okay you don't always have to be good or bad um you know but but not having the alcohol gives me the chance to to do that you know and Mm -hmm. people will say to me you know do you think you'll drink again and the honest answer is I don't know um you know I go through phases where I go no I don't think I will or there's other phases where I go do you know what it might be nice you know if I can you know get a little bit older that I could go to a country pub on a Sunday afternoon and read the paper and and have a pint of ale don't know you know right now in my life I don't want to go anywhere near it. Um, You know, like I say, I feel like I'm in the best condition I've ever been in. I feel like I'm the best dad, you know, I've ever been to my kids. And that's what what we all want as parents, right? We want to make sure that our kids have better than what we had. And, you know, if I look at the version of myself 423 days ago or the version of myself today, I think I know which one my children would prefer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Oh, what a good dad. <laughs> it's my <laughs> only regret is uh, is is that I didn't stop when my girls were younger. Actually, um, yeah. I mean, they still got a few years of having a sober mum, but um, they got quite a few years of not having a sober mum as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 huge, isn't it? It, it is huge for parenting skills. I mean, yeah. everything you need as a pa- as a, yeah as a parent is better with sobriety like patience absolutely the lack of But how many days you know i'd get to the end of a day or a a saturday
1: (laughs) or a sunday and be like oh my word the kids haven't stopped you know i need i need to have a curry and a and a a beer yeah
0: you know it's um yeah yeah but yeah it's (laughs) it's the last thing you need isn't it absolutely because it doesn't make you feel any better oh it's just gonna (laughs) make it so much worse and then you're gonna get more irritated by any like little flare-ups you're gonna like fly off the handle much more easily yeah like the whole thing just like explodes doesn't it whereas when you're sober and you just go okay so we're doing this then you know and stay calm and you're calm your kids are calm guess what it's Oh, honestly, I really. And hangovers if I could and go young back children. And change one thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's it. No.
1: <laughs> no, they don't go well. They
0: don't go well. They hangovers don't. and young children, definitely not. They really don't. I know. No. Yeah, it's crazy. I cannot believe how successful the mummy and popular the mummy wine culture is. Really, because it's like, yeah. why we need to create a mummy sober culture. <laughs> Absolutely. I might start that. Start some memes. That well does seem go. to be the thing, though, doesn't it? You know, if like yeah you know when
1: when you become a parent and you know i certainly found it for the first you know for the first few years when our kids were young that that probably didn't help me in any way because you then go oh i get a night out oh my word i'm gonna make the most of Mm. this um Mm. you know it's just oh my word drink as much as i can yeah yeah. you're just written off um and then yeah you look at it and you think you know when you're there in the morning and massively hung over and your kids are going can we go out on our bikes and stuff you're like I don't want to be going anywhere yeah. that involves me getting dressed you know and that's yeah that's not fair on them yeah that's not fair um, No, it's
0: not at all is
1: no no yeah. um you know I, I just didn't have and don't have a, a good relationship with alcohol you know it it does not yeah. make me a better person um and I think like you you know it's easy sometimes to look back with regrets but You know, I I can't change any of that now. Um, No. You know, but, yeah, I I wish maybe I'd seen, you know, a a little bit sooner, you know, the the things that that alcohol did to me as a person. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And that's what's so great about you speaking up and sharing your story and being quite vocal with men and in the workplace because that group of men who are struggling in silence – knowing that their relationship with alcohol isn't quite right knowing that they could be a better dad if they didn't have a hangover knowing that the right thing is to be able to take the kids out on a bike knowing that they're pushing down difficult thoughts and feelings with alcohol you can reach those people by talking about this in the workplace and it's so powerful i just think good for you and hats off because i think there are millions and millions of men in that position who will resonate with your story and you will, even if you only reach a tiny percentage of them, you'll do so much good in the world, Dave. So that's the, you know,
1: I, um, I say it quite often when I talk to people about, you know, any of these sort of subjects and I would say the aim when I started talking was, you know, and I think a lot of people say the same sort of things, but, you know, if I can kind of impact one other person, you know, in a positive way, then great, you know, mission accomplished. But how many people actually go? Oh, I've helped one person. I am going to stop now. You know what? You know, don't yeah. we don't we shouldn't <laughs> stop at one, and we don't stop at one because you know if if I don't talk about it and you don't talk about it, then who's going to? Um, and whilst yeah. there are other people out there, we need that to be the common thread rather than yes. the the outlier rather than the the little whisper in the corner, you know, and people do need to feel certain, you know, especially men, um, do need to recognize that actually it's, it's all right. You know, it's okay to, to recognize that things aren't great. It's all right to recognize that, you know, maybe you, you know, maybe someone's self-medicating with alcohol, um, and you don't need to, you know, there are options out there. Um, and there's, there's like-minded people that can help you along the way.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So for anyone who's listening, how can they find out more about kind of the work that you do around mental health? Like how can they get in touch with you? Are you available for I don't know, like lived experience speaking and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um again, you know, this kind of came about by accident really. Um so I remember when I first went back to work and um it was coming up to Time to Talk Day. And um I said to to the lady that works in our communications department at the time, I want to do something for time to talk today, but I don't quite know what, and I don't know if I'll be able to. So I started out with just talking um, about my experience, but I did it in a slightly different way. So I do it through like a little cartoon strip because actually the subject of nice. mental health can be quite <laughs> tough for people um, to either talk about or listen to. And then that's grown really over the last yeah. couple of years. So, um, I've delivered sessions through my last two workplaces to, to quite a significant number of people. Um, I've done some sessions externally um, with some, some alternate businesses, um, done some webinars. And in fact, I think we share a a webinar partner that we've uh, guest appeared on, which is um, yes, Amma at Stratus Coaching. Yeah. Um, so yes. yeah. Um, and then this year we've, um, so myself and, um a lady called becky and a chap called niall have launched a podcast which um i'd said right at the beginning i didn't want to do a podcast i just wanted it to be free flow and open conversation however it's become a podcast um and it's called not another mental health podcast so um it's you know we we tend to record it and it's on our youtube channel you can access it through spotify as well or we do have a website which is um n a m h p dot co dot uk so stands for not another Mental Health Podcast. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're, we're still fairly new. We're still finding our feet. I think we're about seven episodes in. We've taken a little short break now to go, okay, let's reflect. Let's do a bit of a lessons learned and let's build for for what we want going forward. So, um, hopefully we'll be seeing you on an episode, um, in the near future um, to to return the gesture. (laughs) So, but yeah, um, anything that helps shine a light on, you know on men, uh, mental health men's mental health um and for me you know i'm i'm a massive ambassador in terms of you know driving this this kind of sober culture that this country de- yeah. definitely needs
0: <laughs> it really does doesn't it <laughs> yeah absolutely getting an alcohol safe workplace in place oh my word yeah, yeah, yeah feel... absolutely yeah and hopefully know, you know I hopefully do. we'll
1: I... we'll have some some good stuff to celebrate there. Cause I know we've been talking about that. Exactly. You know, for, yeah. For, we for have. The workplace yeah. Where I am at the moment. So, um, yeah, yeah there's, there's, can't there's can't a big not too much about that
0: just yet, but you never yeah, know. Yeah. Yet. The so, wheels are, the wheels yes. are spinning.
1: The wheels are spinning. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. And, um, I feel as though, it's inevitable that we'll end up doing some more work together. I, I just I can just tell. I don't know what it looks like yet, um, but I love the way that you're so open and collaborative and just, you've got such a similar ethos to the whole um, workplace recovery um, as I yes. have. I, I just can tell that something yeah, good yeah. is going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. It's exciting. No, it's been good. It's yeah. It's
1: been good, you know, and I think, you know, the first time I saw you was on, on the webinar that you did for, for Anna. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, ever since, you know, we've, we, you know, we've been trying to get time together. And then when we started, (laughs) you know, we finally got there, didn't we? And it, you know, you can tell with some people that, that things just click and, you know, I I absolutely feel the same, you know, it feels like we've got so many kind of, you know, shared values um, and certainly in this space. So yeah, yeah no. hopefully lots of exciting things. To Can't do.
0: wait to see what comes next. Yeah, we'll have to put one <laughs> for another year's time and see what we've done in that year. Would be interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> absolutely. Change yeah, the yeah, world. Do our own little then. reflection back. World. That's yeah, it. Yeah, be fun. absolutely. Too <laughs> I'm right. going to get that in the diary. Brilliant. Let's go big. <laughs> oh, thank you, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> go no big problem. or go home. <laughs> <laughs> but on sobriety, not on the night. Absolutely. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> um thank, thank you so so much dave you have been a fantastic guest and thank you for all the work you do helping to promote mental health in the workplace you're a star
1: thank you very much thanks for having me
0: Oh, thank you so much, Dave, for being such a great guest. And you can tune into Dave's podcast, um, Not Another Mental Health Podcast, in all the usual places, or you can find him on LinkedIn. He is Dave Ramsey, not David, but Dave, D-A-V-E, Ramsey. Um, There are quite a few Dave Ramseys, though, so you may be better looking on Instagram. And you can follow that podcast at Not Another Mental Health Podcast. And it's literally just all one word not another mental health podcast like that and so you'll find him easily on there and i just love the tagline that he's got on that you don't have to be a mental health expert to make a difference completely agree dave love it just before we wrap up i wanted to remind everyone that we are having um a business networking day on the 18th of january so different arm of my business. I run a sober business networking community. We are going to be hosting a day of business mindset mastery on the 18th. Everybody who comes to the event will be asked to bring their three business priorities for the following year. And we're going to spend the morning using some techniques from NLP to make sure that our subconscious minds are working towards those priorities. And then in the afternoon, we're going to be sharing our priorities with the rest of the group and asking people to pledge their support, their expertise, their knowledge sharing, perhaps collaboration, something that they can do to help others in the room to meet those priorities and to hit those goals. And I am super excited because everyone is going to leave with crystal clear um, vision of what they want to do over the next 12 months and with a little support team behind them who are going to help them so if you'd like to know more about that or buy a ticket you can find out all about it on the uk. and uh, yeah i'd love to see you there it's a i did, did I say it? it's in manchester it's at the um love from bar which is the pop-up alcohol-free bar at campus in manchester near piccadilly station so yeah Um, head to soberbusinessnetwork.co.uk and find out about that. hope to see lots of you there. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. If you'd like to learn more about creating an alcohol-safe workplace without killing the buzz, visit choosesumbrise.co.uk and head to the HR services page. Let's end the stigma because nobody should feel afraid to ask for help with alcohol use.